do ourselves a favor and shut the fuck up. When I wake up, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you. When I go out, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. If I get drunk, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who gets drunk next to you. And if I heave up, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who's heavering to you. But I would walk Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Film Find, the greatest movie podcast ever. Assuming you've never listened to a movie podcast before, I'm your host, Adam Porches. We have a very special episode for you. Yes, we are a day late, but we, we're we a day late for a very, very good reason. Um, well, I, well, I'll come into it. Mostly it's because movie theaters suck balls, and uh, I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, we have our uh, guess what, everybody? We have an in 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 uh, in house guest, in studio guest. Uh, but yet he's a very familiar face. Matt, welcome to the podcast proper, sir. I don't have your mic up. That's weird. Something went on. Try again. There we go. You got to oh, turn. Oh, shit. Oh, you know. <laughs> it's the story of my well, life. thanks for having me. Yeah, you uh, build up, you build up, you build up, and there's nothing. It's great to not nothing. be uh, over a spotty internet connection on Skype. Oh, wow. And, you know, so you can actually see the disappointment in, in all of the... <laughs> it looks very much like every other podcaster set up even the people with money yeah (laughs) but uh yeah so we're gonna be talking we have two movies today and uh and uh one of them has to do with walking that's why this great song's on oh you remember that do you remember the 90s kids oh let's all try to forget when johnny depp was really good at acting oh what a long time ago that was yes johnny depp what is i mean what are so uh so my guess is then you're not looking forward to mordecai uh I think that movie looks terrible. I gotta admit, it's enough of a premise for the trailer. No, I'm. I don't think anyone's gonna be able to keep that for an hour and a half. I'm gonna end up seeing it. I know I am. Well, I'm uh, gonna see it too. But I don't it, want it to, but terrible. I will. <laughs> no, it will be terrible. Who's the who, Who's in that with him? Um, is uh is Paltrow in that? Mm. There's some blonde in there. I know that much. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out my trusty iphone 4s and mm. see yeah we were i was um, looking at it before the show and i'm just like because I, I got the six plus and so i was just like man i can't believe i ever had a phone that had <laughs> the size of this postage stamp that i'm working on here it is paltrow but also olivia yeah. munn how do i not remember her from the trailer uh Here. she's in it very momentarily well but, uh, she's more of a draw for me than paltrow is none days. of none of it's a draw for me. <laughs> actually i mean like not i don't know mcgregor you and mcgregor Here's the only thing that makes I mean, me somewhat. I think it's that movie is is what makes it not a draw, right? Yeah, exactly. The movie makes it no, but the big thing is, is like I, what I would like to see, and I don't think that this is what it's. I don't believe that's what's going to be delivered to me. But yeah. what I would like to see is like he's a new sort of in the vein, kind of like what he gets into, Mister Bean. Yeah, just or, like he kind of gets uh, in that kind of. Fucking what was the the cartoon Leslie Nielsen did, Mr. Magoo? Yeah, a little Mr. Yeah, a little, like, little of, of that. Yeah, it's like a little that. a little Mr. Magoo, a little bit of a a little bit of Mr. Bean in there. Yeah. Any any names with Mr. Rogers doesn't Mr. matter. Mr. Rogers could be any of these things. 
PBS might be on to a cash cow. Uh, you know, they 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 need funding all the time. They, they do. Maybe if they can get a big blockbuster even movie the, out there, they'll stop trying to give me tote bags. Podcasts need funding. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a whole other discussion right anyway. here that we don't want to certainly get into no, on this not one. Not at all. Uh, but we uh, we got two movies for you. We got your early uh, Lord of the Rings podcast in, so you got that. Yep. Uh, so go back and listen to the uh, last Hobbit. We cover all yeah, the uh, on Saturday night, Sunday morning, something like that, right around in there, <laughs> somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, it's like Saturday night, Sunday morning. Um, so uh, go listen to that if you haven't gotten to listen to it yet, because uh, we talk about all three of the Hobbit films, Lord of the Rings films as a whole, and get into a lovely spirited debate about 48 frames per second. I, I was a little into the drink that night, and I feel like I came out a little more spirited than I needed to be <laughs> for 48 frames You per really, second. I was just like, he's passionate about this, but I, uh, whatever. that's a whole nother, that's, <laughs> we, we, we should do an entire episode just dedicated to that i think well let's talk about a different uh, theatrical deficiency that there's a lot of them recently oh, okay uh, so, so this podcast some this would be this podcast will be out earlier so we're reviewing yes. uh two movies today uh if you haven't already read it within your uh pod catching device of whatever you have uh we're reviewing uh wild as well as um fox catcher and so um i went to go watch wild on uh sunday night mm-hmm. and i go into the amc here in charlotte and uh now I go to this AMC a lot, mostly for convenience because it's one of the closer ones to me. As as should be expected. You know, so it's never the, really the best. Uh, the theater itself is a little long in the tooth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the kind of it's oh, it's almost but not quite the movie theater everybody kind of used to go to right. to kind of slightly crib a uh, Chris Rock bit. Um, but it's. You know, I, I've had audio problems there before. Speaking of Chris Rock, when I went to see Top Five, the uh, the woofer in the center channel was gone. The the tweeter was the only thing that there, so it sounded like you know a nineteen forties you know cylinder. I don't know what the hell was going on or sixty four. Right. I know I, I just stated it wrong, but whatever. Yeah, whatever. Uh, I'm just I'm blabbing. Um, but that was terrible. So with this one, it sounded like early town technology. It did. It sound. It was really bad. Let me see if I can. Let me see if I can. Uh, you know, uh, re- recreate it. Hold on. <laughs> It was a bit of this right here. All of a sudden, it was really, really high, and it just sounded like this, and it was really, it was terrible. <laughs> so, I, so I, I refused. If I can fix this, hopefully, I'll fix it. Okay, yeah. So I refused. <laughs> <laughs> the mixer's on the other side of the thing. It's a little tough to look. Um, <laughs> but so this is this is what I do in my spare time. Um, but so I refused to listen to that. So I walked out, and so wild. Uh, I came across a, a, a different situation, but the same. Um, so the center channel here worked perfectly fine, but the left and right channels were low. And so I, when, during the trailers, I kind of, I spotted it. Well, actually I spotted it in the pre-show right. and then waited. I'm like, well, maybe this is just a pre-show thing. Maybe something's kind of funky. Then the trailers came on and I was like, well, no, this isn't right. I'm going to go talk to somebody. So I've like, I've seen the, all the trailers. So it's mm-hmm. nothing that's like, Ooh, no, I haven't seen that. Um, so I go out and I talk to them. I'm like, Hey man, uh, theater 20. You got a problem over there. Uh, the center channel told them everything was wrong. And they're like, okay, we'll check on that. Well, they went and they turned it up, which helped to a degree because you could slightly more hear the ones on the right. left and right now, but then the center channel's hot. And, you know, we sent, and, you know, I come back out. I was like, I tried. I tried for a little bit and I was just like, nope, I quit. I, I'm out of here. So I left because, and when the when everything was silent, you heard a 20 hertz buzz from the speakers. And I was just like, yeah, I can't no do good. this. I'm like, I got to go. And I was telling the guy when he was trying to give me a uh, refund and everything, I was just like, 
uh, yeah, here's I did all this stuff, and she's like, oh yeah, we sent a we sent a girl in there to uh, one one of uh, the ushers to go check it out and everything. And I'm like, look, man, I'm not trying to be an asshole here, but she doesn't know anything about any of this stuff. So and and I'm like, I'm really not trying to be a jerk, but it's you know, come on, right? Like this this is this is unacceptable. So I tweeted AMC and I've tweeted uh, Regal about things, you know. I, and so it's like I've said in some other uh, podcasts before. It's just like guys. If there's a problem in your theater, go fucking tell them about it. It's I, I tweeted this out. It's like, I don't want a free ticket. I don't want a half-assed apology. I just want you to stop fucking up. Yeah, I have to tell you, as, a, as somebody who worked in theaters for a long time, their number one, like, as soon as they have a, have a problem addressed to them, uh, they don't go and, like, address it in the theater. They don't say, hey, go and check this out. They they send the person who's complaining a free pass. Yeah. So if you're looking for free passes, go and complain. But uh, but if more more people complain about these issues, they they will pay a, actual attention to them at some point. Uh, I mean, they have to. Eventually, Lord, Lord knows the theater business is not uh, booming like it once was. Eventually, they should get there and yes. to where you know people will realize, hey, this is not acceptable. But but yeah, do use that free pass hack if you want to. Yeah, I mean, and but no, seriously, I mean that's the thing. Uh, we um. There, there was things wrong with the the Lord of the Rings that we went to. I mean, and here's the thing, I've had I've had such egregious things happen. I mean, I've had mm-hmm. people like the crew that was waiting to clean up when everything was done, and they were there like literally five minutes before the credits actually even rolled, and they started uh, just talking, right. like literally at a fairly at about the volume that you and I are at right now. Uh, I, I saw one cat, I shit you not, this is the most egregious thing I've ever seen in my life. He went with his, this is a cat that works there, not just some random fucking dude. <laughs> this cat that worked there goes up, sits on the back about the third or fourth row, like up on the haunches, up where the back, the headrest is. Sits on that shit, damn near in the middle of the aisle, and pulls out his phone. While the movie's playing still? While the movie is playing. Oh, I just I'm telling you. So, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen, if you see an injustice, report that shit because we are on. We've been on a slippery slope with theaters for a long, long period of time, and someone needs to just get their heads kicked in here. And th- this is why the theatrical experience is dying. I mean, it's not just. I mean, a lot of it is the talking people. A lot of it is the other kind of you know wackos and whatever. But at the same time, it's like you know, just fucking come on, dude. Yeah. I will say that our experience, like talking to the to the manager of the art cinema we were at tonight, yeah. was, was pretty solid. Actually, like he understood what the issue was, at least, which is which is unique uh, yeah. in, in my experience of of like talking to people about the problems that I have with projection issues. And it wasn't a major one, right? It was noticeable. the The image itself was just too zoomed in while we yeah. were watching it, so some of the information was cut off on the top and bottom. Um, the most egregious part was like when there were location subtitles, right? Yeah, so it's like you got the top half of the location, but the bottom of half where it was just like, you know, whatever year the thing was happening in. Right. And you're like, well, I guess this is 1980s. Yeah, exactly. And, maybe? and so, you know, 
at least he he knew what the issue was yeah. when we told him, as opposed to like just denying that it was an issue. For example, like I when I went to Regal and uh, you know I I went to see Annabelle. Now, granted, I'm you know again, it's like I'm not looking for a free ticket. I have Movie Pass, so I can go see a movie every day. That's not a thing to me. I I just half the time I would like just an admission of guilt that that yep. in and of itself is difficult because that was a 235 movie on a 185 screen and they had the gall to tell me that's how it's sent to us and i'm like you are full of crap yes there's no way that this is how this is sent to you no not at all and they they just they didn't understand anything and you know girl one of the so-called managers there literally told me that she didn't have a DVD player. Because I tried to, like, I was like, have you seen, like, full-screen DVDs? Or, like, try to give some sort of analogy that maybe somebody could understand. And she's just like, I don't even have a DVD player. I'm like, clearly you don't because you don't love movies. Because <laughs> you don't know anything of what I'm talking about. It's all Jeez. confusing to you. So, and I, I've had straight-up arguments with these people and stuff. So, But just fucking call people out, man. Well, Do it. Yes, do that. And get yourself a free ticket because honestly, <laughs> if you're not like a movie pass thing, you paid a lot of money to see that flick and if somebody shows it to you in a half ass manner, fuck that noise. Speaking of which, uh, my new year's resolution is probably going to be to get movie pass. Well, um, we are not we are not I just want to let no, people know not we're not sponsored. Although if if they want to sponsor Movie Pass, I will see I have sung your praises to people without being paid. I would like to be paid. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he's sold you've sold me on it, right? Yeah. Uh I, it's it's thirty bucks a month, right? Yeah. Roughly, um, well, th- and, thirty-five. Okay, yeah, thirty-five. I spent twenty today going to the movie. Yeah, just a right? like on two tickets to see Wild and, and Foxcatcher. So, uh, just th- just thinking about that while I was sitting in the theater, I looked over and I'm like, "Fuck it, I'm getting the movie pass." I yeah. don't care. If you go more than you know two times, to- two three times a week, which you know you can easily do, and especially this time of year. When it is award season and there is a crap load of stuff out, you know, you can yeah, drop the next some serious three weeks, coins. It's like, you know, just weekends and weekends of chunks of stuff. And and for people out there who aren't in like major metro areas, uh, stuff will still be trickling out well into the end of January yeah. and beginning of February. And and it, they cover like 98% of the theaters, or maybe not 98, maybe about 90% of the theaters in the country. So chances are... Yeah, you can get on the website and check they it out. Cover, yeah. It was every theater that I've ever gone to in Atlanta, so... They've really they've really stepped up their game. When they first came out, MoviePass was a very broken idea. It only you know serviced very few theaters, but they really worked with their partnerships and really have gotten it spread out. And uh, it's it's a fantastic thing and well worth anybody's money if you're a cinema fan. Fucking do that shit. Yeah, when I, when it first came out, uh, you and I were talking about it, and um, I I think I checked their website and it was only at like two theaters in the Atlanta metro area. This was like three years ago. Yeah. And uh, they were not close to me. But now it really is just every single one of them that I would ever go to, uh, you know. So yeah, so, uh, so just, send us some money, Movie Pass. Yeah, come on. Get on that shit. <laughs> so I spent my Movie Pass because... <laughs> uh, so I did finally get to go see Wild. called Give Us Money. <laughs> Give Us Money. Um... I I, we, I went to see Wild finally uh, yesterday. We saw Foxcatcher today. So let's uh, let's get into uh, Wild. Let's uh, let's go ahead and listen to a bit of the trailer for that. My mother used to say, "There's a sunrise and a sunset every day, and you can choose to be there for it. You can put yourself in the way of beauty." I'm gonna walk myself back to the woman my mother thought I was. Yeah! There's one thing I could teach you: it's how to find your best self, and when you do, how to hold on to it for dear life. Oh man. <laughs> 
you ever think about quitting? Only once every two minutes or so. If I could go back in time, I wouldn't do a single thing differently. Wild. Rated R. In select theaters December 3rd. All right, that was from the trailer for Wild, uh, our first new release review of this week. Um, so basically, this is, I forgot the old IMDb app. I didn't pull it up while we were, you know, doing the thing. So give me two seconds. There it is. Uh, I don't want to sign in, you son of a bitch. Come on. All right. So a chronicle of a woman's 1,100-mile uh, solo hike undertaken as a way to recover from a recent catastrophe. It is uh, directed by uh, Jean-Marc Vallée, uh, starring Renee, uh, Renee, Renee, thank <laughs> God, Renee it's, thank God it's not Renee Zellweger, starring Reese Witherspoon, I know it's got an R in there, Laura Dern, Gabby <laughs> Hoffman, <laughs> uh, Michael, uh, Michael, uh, Miguel Huchman, I don't know, I don't know these cat's names. Anyways, um, so, uh, yeah, basically, uh, this is apparently based on a bestseller. I kind of found, found that out because when I went on a Monday night to the Art House Theater, when it's usually me and, like, a couple other crazy weirdos, uh, it was fairly packed. So I was kind of surprised about that. And uh, so, the, you know, this apparently is based on a very best-selling book. Yes. So that's why there were normies out there that I was like, ugh, gross. Get away from me, normos. Well, it's also that weird time of year uh, where – People are actually at the movie theater during the week, mm-hmm. uh, and it weirds me out. Yeah, I don't. I don't. It just weirds me out. Like I'm used to. Like there's usually like an old dude behind me, uh, maybe someone else randomly in the theater. Uh, a lot of the time, it's just me, like sitting dead center, yeah. saying like I've yeah, told old ladies to shut up at these things. Yeah, I, I have too. But oh, uh, you know. It's it's an odd experience this time of year. You're, you're used to a certain theatrical experience, especially someone like me who doesn't go during the weekend. Ever, yeah. Right? And uh, they're just fucking people there. It's like, where are all these people from? Don't they have jobs? <laughs> Why are they not at work? I went to a... Uh... I want to say my screening for Devil's Rejects was like at the first screening on a Wednesday, whenever that came out, and a solo screening for what was, you know, a, a movie that made decent enough money for the most part. But uh, it was kind of, it was fun. It was so nice. Gosh, I, I always love it. I'm just like personal screening, yeah, hell yeah. Um, but uh, so yeah, this this movie is, um, yeah, it's pretty much just about a a, a girl who goes on on this big giant pass of mm-hmm. the uh, Pacific uh, Trail. I always forget the Pacific thing. Crest Trail. The there PCT. you go. PCT. I was always I'm just I try not to do go into any um, you know Dr. Dre <laughs> when we go through that because I won't see Dr. Dre like the PCT. <laughs> that won't happen. Um, but so she goes up there, and uh, we kind of flash back uh, and forth through her life a bit to see what led her to this uh, to this journey and everything. And uh, I, I don't really want to give a ton ton away in this because I think that's it sounds a little cliche, but the journey of this film mm-hmm. is. I mean, you. I don't want to say that you come to a you know because initially when this movie started, I thought, oh, we're we're traveling to something, right. we're traveling to get someplace for a particular reason, right? And uh, you know, we we didn't. I mean, it's not it's the not a destination, so to speak. Uh, plays around with that. Yeah. Uh, right. So the the film makes you feel like you're heading towards something that is being forecast. But really, like as the film progresses, you find out, no, actually, all of this stuff has actually already happened. Yeah. Uh, many things that you think are potential outcomes or things that will happen at the end of the film actually happened much earlier, even right. before the hike started. Right. Um, I, I don't know. I. I think it works yeah. that way, though, and and I don't want to get into the specifics of those things because part of discovering 
kind of everything that has led her to this point right. is part of the pleasure of watching this movie. In fact, m- probably the major pleasure of watching this movie because otherwise it's uh, pretty standard, right? I mean, it's a, it's an inspirational journey story. Uh, somebody who goes through some traumatic experiences uh, decides they have to take this quest upon themselves mm-hmm. to come to some like self-actualization. Uh, you know, in that in that sense, it's very standard. But the way that it's told is pretty intriguing and creates a mystery about it. Um, yeah, yeah, and so so for the, for those of you that don't know, this was the uh, director that really lit it up last year with uh, Dallas Buyers Club, right? And uh, so this is uh, gosh another very strong performance, you know, year after year. So that's uh, that's a pretty astounding feat in and of itself. Yeah, um, I, I was a big fan of Dallas Buyers Club. It oh, was, yeah. Uh, kind of a tremendous movie for Matthew McConaughey. And uh, really what what Valet is proving uh, here is that he's really capable of pulling great performances out of people who we already know are good. Yeah. But like really just uh, like allowing them to be a, a new thing to an audience, right? Right. And so uh, he also kind of did this with an earlier film um, that many people probably didn't see, but, but it's still intriguing the uh the young victoria with emily blunt um is that the is that the the period piece yeah it's a period piece from 2009 but but in that movie right uh emily blunt at the time kind of had a particular screen persona Mm -hmm. and uh this kind of also allowed her to flourish a little bit it wasn't the big blossoming that we've seen from mcconaughey and reese witherspoon now in this film um but you know he 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 has touches with actors I think where where they just turn in really good solid work that we haven't seen them uh do before. Yeah. I will say this though. I mean if if the Academy Awards worked the way they should work mm-hmm. this movie would get nominated for best editing. As oh, yeah. as an editor and someone who knows how things work and so the director and editor hand in hand uh it's an astounding feat in this film. Uh, from 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 a sound design standpoint, because yep. there's a lot of different things that they play with as far as that goes, but the pacing and everything, knowing when to go back, how to go back, where to go back, forward and backwards, and how to weave the tale that this movie weaves, is an astounding feat in and of itself. No, I I fully agree. Um, as I've said, the structure of it is what makes it uh, as intriguing as it. Yeah, as if it actually you if is, you played right? the first part through, I mean, like if you if you you know deconstructed went straightforward narrative, uh, it it wouldn't be it wouldn't be that interesting at all. Yeah, and, and even it, if you did just a regular kind of flashback, and it was kind of like she's going. Uh, you know, two parallel forward sto- going stories, but it bounces all around kind yeah, of in all her around, life. and it and it deals with uh, things that she's reflecting on in her journal as she's writing, uh, as she's traveling along. Right, it's dealing with things that are brought up in the guide, the guidepost book that she signs every like yeah. little uh, trail branch she hits. Right, uh, it kind of signals a different flashback, and, right. and they intermingle uh, in a very nice fluid way that doesn't seem too deliberate while also not seeming like it's just too murky and messy. Yeah, it it doesn't seem like it's done as something that was done specifically for it does it's not gimmicky yeah, by any stretch. Exactly. It is like this is how we're telling this story and um and, and I don't know having not read the book um and I'm but I'm sure it doesn't go in this particular manner, but it 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 watches a lot like a novel can read. 
yes. to where you're going back and forth and you're touching upon different areas and you don't have to go in a straight linear style. It's like, okay, we're at this point. Okay, we're all the way back at this point. Well, we're back where we were initially and skipping around. And uh, it does really well. And like I said, per- you're right. Performance is just all around. Reese Witherspoon, uh, who's who really hasn't like hit a stride really in a, in in quite a while. I mean, she obviously won her Oscar yeah, for uh, for uh, Walking well Tall. Oh, absolutely, she did great in that. Uh, but I, I think she hasn't had a chance to really stretch in 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 a little while, and uh, or at mm-hmm. least that I've particularly seen. Yeah. Uh, but really loved her. But I will tell you this: to me, the true standout in this film is holy crap! Was Laura Dern amazing? Yeah, Laura Dern. Oh. Always amazing. Oh, she but, is so but good. But she's so terrific in this movie. And I don't know if she got nominated for the Globes. Do you remember? Mm, I do not. I don't uh, remember. I, I don't really keep up with the Globe noms. I, I don't. just watch them. Yeah. Um, but no, she's terrific, man. And uh, I've, you know, I've always loved Laura Dern. And here, I mean, it's it's kind of weird to see her now at a point in her life and career where she's playing mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, Particularly older mothers, right? I mean, in in this movie, she's supposed to be forty five, right? Um, and Reese Witherspoon is supposed to be much younger than she actually yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, Reese Witherspoon's but, like forty, and but like it's this still, like, but, right? They still look yeah, the role. They're good looking um, people, so good looking people don't age like the rest of us. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to see her put in a position where like she's doing something that's maybe not like she's done before, right? And and she's great. Laura Dern is terrific and, as always. And and the, the 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 greatest part about her is like her character is 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 very multifaceted. Mm-hmm. She's in and, and, and she admits it in a part. She's just like, hey, I, I have to be kind of everything here. I have to be a mother. I have to be, you know, I have to. I'm trying to be a student. I'm trying to take care of all of these things. And she's someone who tries to look on the positive side of life. She's a woman whose whose life has really kind of beat her down in a lot of ways. Yeah. And um, you know, to to put on the face that she puts on for herself and not only for her kids, but it's not. It doesn't seem like it's a false face. No, no, no. That's the real just, thing. That that ends up being kind of the message that uh, that Cher- uh, Cheryl gets out of the movie, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that's the character that Reese Witherspoon plays. I don't think we've said that. Yeah. So uh, Reese Witherspoon's character's name is Cheryl, and uh, kind of the message uh, she receives for herself along this journey is is that like there is shit that happens to you constantly, mm-hmm. um, but you know you just have to look at. Uh, you know, as Eric Idle would say, the bright side of life. <laughs> um, but but more than that, right? Like, there's no, like, cynicism in no, Laura Dern. There's nothing, yeah. right? There's nothing that she seeks. Like, there's no darkness, which is uh, kind of refreshing, honestly. Um, and and that's really where the parallel of the flashback and the, and the main story yeah. come in, is between this mother-daughter kind of reconciling their own pasts with where they are now. But the nice part about it, too, is that it's not schmaltzy in any way. No, not at all. It doesn't feel like, oh, we're putting this thing on and it feels like blah, blah, blah. No, it's 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 there for a reason mm-hmm. and, and it works because of that. Yeah, and I have to tell you, like, there were several times uh, that I teared up like a fucking baby. Listen, I am uh, a person who cries at movies all the time. I was weeping like a bitch throughout this entire movie. There's a scene where they meet where they meet some people and and a, and a song is relayed. I don't want to say mm-hmm. anything more than that, but oh my god, I was just I was crying hardcore. I mean like this movie uh it it it, it 
and it's something because we I, I I joked about it a lot because I had seen this the trailer for this thing a billion times and right. I'm just like oh my god I just need to see this movie so I can just stop watching this fucking trailer every time and just going okay whatever and and then the trailer I mean I, it's granted it's a good trailer but I'd seen it so many times right. it started to get annoying um, so I was just like oh I I hope I'm gonna like this movie and of the two movies that we're reviewing today this was the one that I was actually I don't want to say well, I wasn't looking forward to it but it wasn't more it hesitant did, it didn't spark me yes. as much as like say Foxcatcher would and yeah, uh, same well, here honestly but uh, going in I mean thoroughly thoroughly surprised and and, and really really enjoyed it mm-hmm. uh, not not perfect not a complete five star here on this but a very very solid four for me for sure yeah I think I think that's spot on it's uh it's a very very strong film um it's it doesn't ring to me any emotional false notes yeah um, which is good for for what this movie is actually about, right? Yeah, this could come off. I mean, in the in the hands of a lesser director, this movie would come off as just a piece of fluff and just self affirmation yeah. that is it not would come needed. off as like some one of the light lifetime easily have become easily that. have been that, but but it wasn't right. This is actually a really solid, great movie. Yeah. All right, so that's uh, two very strong recommendations from both of us here. So uh, let's get into uh, movie number two. Uh, here is the trailer for Foxcatcher. I want to be the best in the world. I want to go to worlds and win gold. I want to go to silver. Win gold. Good. Mark, we as a nation fail to honor you. I want to see this country soar again. What's he get out of all this? Me winning. America winning. This is more than just some piece of metal. It's about what the metal represents. The virtues it requires to attain it. That was the trailer for Foxcatcher, our second new release review of this week. Banging them out this week, man. Lord of the Rings, these two flicks. Uh, We're doing it, folks. We've we've done three podcasts. We've recorded three podcasts in seven days at this point. Not too shabby, really. Not shabby at all. Uh, IMDb logline, always correct, always 100%, as we always know. Uh, The greatest Olympic wrestling champion brother team joints. They really, this isn't almost even a sentence (laughs) at this point. All right, let's try again. The There's great, so many qualifiers in there. <laughs> the greatest Olympic wrestling champion brother team joins Team Foxcatcher, led by multimillionaire sponsor John E. DuPont, as they train for the 1988 Games in Seoul. Oh, you know what? A Hold union that leads to unlikely circumstances. So, Sweet Lord. So that um, that was apparently written by Mark Schultz. Who the fuck is... Oh, that guy. <laughs> the, the character in the movie. Here's what Sony Pictures Classics submitted to IMDb. Based on true events, Foxcatcher tells the dark and fascinating story of the unlikely and ultimately tragic relationship between an eccentric multimillionaire and two champion wrestlers. Now that I know that he wrote this ball-sucking one, <laughs> I don't... I, I've maybe lost a little bit of empathy for this guy. Greatest Olympic wrestling champion brother team... <laughs> It sounds like a guy who barely has an education. So, uh, yeah, I can. I now believe that. 
according to the movie, at least. So this was uh, directed uh, by Bennett Miller, who uh, gave us Moneyball and Capote. Capote. Uh, so those are just kind of uh, big flicks that everybody's seen. Of course, starring Steve Carell, Channing Tatum, Mark Ruffalo, Vanessa Redgrave in, in, in a role that I would always be, which I was like, 50-50 shot, Vanessa Redgrave was still alive if someone would have asked me. <laughs> that sounds bad, but anyways. Uh, so yeah, I um, this is a movie that's been getting a lot of buzz, uh, a lot of buzz around Steve Carell. I mean, if you've mm-hmm. seen the trailer, or anything, uh, he does not look like Steve Carell uh, very much. Uh, he looks more like a uh, Gru, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, it, this is a movie about you know, like like I said about these these uh, these Olympic uh, you know brother wrestlers and everything. The best champion Olympic, brother. the best champion, the ever. best exotic Olympic marigold <laughs> champion wrestler brother team. Exactly. It's not too far off. Guy Madden is looking to do yet another sequel. <laughs> but not oh, Guy John Madden, Madden. John Madden. John Madden. Guy I M- wish he'd stop doing those so he could make more awesome movies like The Debt. The Debt was great. Uh, and then two. Uh, I mean, like, look, you're, you are working with a lot of, like, very talented older actors, but look at what you're doing with them. Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, I do want to say catcher. that... Uh, <laughs> I do. I do want to say that uh, Steve Carell does look in the makeup for the film like John E. Dupont does. All right. So I've never. I'm now first time looking for. Uh, I'm a, sorry a, a that proper it's not picture. on my phablet so that it's yeah. a, like thumbnail image. I have to, to look you, at but. this seriously. <laughs> I do not have very large genitalia, but it's bigger than this picture. Uh, <laughs> everyone a, should be. Everyone, even hope, if it's a female. Hopefully, <laughs> yes. Uh, no, that is very, yeah, the, so, I it's mean, pretty close. the nose on them, the eyes, the haircut and everything, and, uh, pretty darn accurate. So, um, but I, I gotta say, not only, this isn't just kind of like a, um, and, and I'm not dissing on her for it, for this because her role was good in this, but it, it's kind of the same deal was made with, uh, Virginia Woolf and, uh, Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. And, uh, wasn't that the name of the flick? After, what was it? The Hours. The Hours, that's what yeah. it was, Yeah. Where she played Virginia Woolf. Um, So it's kind of, there's maybe a little bit of that in there. um, But at the same time, and not to say, I'm not dissing Nicole Kim and saying that she did this, but um, it's, there's, it's a lot of it. There's a lot of character stuff done here because it's not just a nose. I mean, it's just not just the teeth and the, and the haircut and everything. It, it is a true, true uh, performance that we haven't seen from him at all. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, uh, some of Carell, right? He's he is really talented performer, right? He, I mean, to be a comedic actor, I actually feel like you have to be a better actor than uh, than not. I think right? I think many than, uh, than straight dramatic, dra- dramatic actor. actors would definitely agree with that. Yeah, um, but so so Carell is actually really terrific. But you know, I'm not surprised because uh, because so much of the character building that um, that Philip Seymour Hoffman did in Capote. Mm-hmm. Uh, felt very similar, right? The affectations uh, of him becoming Capote, but just building that character from the ground up, the inside out. Um, and and I'm not surprised to see Carell doing that, but I'm especially not surprised to see him doing that in a film directed by Bennett Miller. Right. But, uh, I mean, just everything from the way he speaks, the way he sits, how, like, I mean, with, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a if it's a result of the teeth, but the way his mouth ends up kind of being shaped right. um, is, is very transformative. And speaking of transformative, I did, the first couple of seconds he was on the screen, I did not recognize Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. 
Right. So, like, he's gone through. He's got. He's he's uh, losing a bit of the hair. He plays the older wrestler champion brother uh, yes. at, at the first. So, um, but he he comes out, and I got to say, this is one of the things that that all of these characters did so well is they embodied who these people were. Because I've, I've I've known a couple wrestlers and stuff, and like. It, it sounds ridiculous, but down to the way these guys walk and carry themselves yeah. is so much like how wrestlers do. Yeah, and it's shoulders kind of astounding. forward, uh, hands like to their side, slightly out in front of their body, right? Like just a very kind of. Yeah. It's, there's there's a certain thing to it, and God, they had it down so so good. And I mean, and Ruffalo, the way he's kind of transformed himself, like I said, almost rec- unrecognizable uh, himself to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of astounding, and he looks like he was one of those guys from back in the day. He's got the full beard and everything. The hair's going back, a little bald spot in the back. I mean, it's yeah. just like you don't – this is not the leading man Mark Ruffalo that we've come yeah. to know, and, and it's, it's fantastic. And it's also not the leading man Channing Tatum. Oh, my right? gosh. And he's terrific in this movie, and and that's that's the performance that I really want to hear people uh, like t- talk about during award season. Like, Carell is terrific. And deserves all of the praise that he gets, right? But uh, here's Channing Tatum, um, who uh, there was a great essay on some site, right, about how, like, not amazing his face is, right? Like, he just has this regular old brick face Mm -hmm. that looks good in many different situations, right? He's a good-looking fellow. Yeah, but but not like a chiseled chin good, right? Yeah. He looks good like slab of meat good, right? Yeah. and here he really uh, becomes a, a fully fledged character, uh, which is something that, like, you know, Channing Tatum's been good before. I'm I'm on Team uh, CT yeah. over here, right? Uh, but here, uh, as Mark Schultz, he is astounding. Actually, um, I, I've never seen him like this. I, I think this role could not have come at a better time in his career. Now, being who Channing Tatum is and looking the way he does and it's kind of just built the way he yep. is, had this come earlier in his career, he would not be getting any kind of praise because it, w- it seems like he could be playing himself. Yep. But we've seen him have so much range from everything from comedies to dramas and being able to do what he can do to where he comes back and shows you this performance right here. It really shows how much this guy is on point with what he does. Exactly. And uh, you can just tell that, like I said, like from the way that they carry themselves to, you know, he's already, you know, he's pretty much always been in good shape in the flicks that we've seen him in. Uh, but so, but just the overall just style of everything. It's yeah. just it, the way he carries well, himself. What's great about he looks. this is he, he's not in, like for this movie, he's not in like action movie shape. He's in wrestling shape. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like he's a got a, he's got a little bit of flab because he's not just doing ab work to look badass in like GI Joe or whatever. Yeah, um, or in Magic Mike, right? But he's you know he's built muscular, a little more lean like like a wrestler would be. Um, I don't know, man. He, but it's not that zero percent body fat exactly. where it's where it's, you don't look at him and just go, "Holy crap, this guy is just ripped." He, yes. he's, he's got the body of a wrestler at this yeah. point, and 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 I, I love Ruffalo's character has the body of one that's just a little bit beyond that. Yes, exactly. Be, beyond beyond kind of his prime a little bit, but still has that kind of feel to it. Yeah, and 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 it works for Ruffalo too because uh, like we all know he's been in shape. Right. Because mm-hmm. like he's never been a like 
a flabby actor or anything, but he's yeah, been he's, in shape recently he's, and he's because of his relationship. He's done a couple of chubby roles too, but nothing. Yeah. I think nothing as transformative as this. Even though, even ones where he's added more weight than yes. the usual. Well, and and he's in that shape too because he's associated with playing the Hulk now and all that yeah. other stuff, right? He has to watch it out. But here, he he like doesn't even look like that, right? Like yeah. he he really does look like somebody who was a wrestler very recently, still does it, but is not in his prime yeah. anymore. Right. Uh, he's now coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I and looks understand. like any other gym coach that you would kind of see. Yes. Uh, in that, especially in that era in the late 80s and stuff. Yes. Um, but uh, so it I, and I'll say this. Um, I, I like the movie, so I don't 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 misconstrue this as, as a diss to the movie um, of the two movies that were that we're doing here. Um, I think this movie and uh, the other movie is really good, has a lot of strong performances, but I think performance wise. This movie beats the other one, beats Wild, but Wild's story beats the story for Foxcatcher. I think so, too, but I think it has to do with, like, a couple of things, right? There's, there is a trajectory that is 100%, uh, like, known mm-hmm. um, in, in Foxcatcher. Uh, I mean, the relationship as it plays out, We've seen things like that before, and that's right. not to say we haven't seen things like in Wild, but the way that movie's constructed, it, it like helps that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, here, it's much more linear. Um, Bennett Miller, much like he did in Capote, kind of leaves some ambiguity in there. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Right? Uh, but I don't know if that makes the story as strong as it could be, right? Because... Uh, because you can get online and see all the facts of the case as they played out, right? right? It's not of which just I'll a be memory. honest. I knew nothing about which was a, which was a nice thing to go in because I'd really never seen the trailer full mm-hmm. proper. I'd seen a couple of stills of of, of Carell as this and right. a, a couple of Tatum and whatnot, uh, but I I didn't really know. I, I knew something. I knew it had to do with wrestling, and I knew something. There was something that happened, an incident of sorts. Yes, and well, and I and I only knew about it because when Dupont died in prison, uh, and there's there's a spoiler, yeah. but you know whatever, uh, it's it happened 15 years ago or whatever. Like fuck it, uh, I mean, the actual crime happened much longer than that. Right, right. But right. Uh, anyway, so uh, at that time, uh, back in was it 2010, right? Um, I went back and read about the case because I was right. like fascinated. Like, oh yeah, of course this eccentric like billionaire uh, killed someone. Yeah. So, so the guy <laughs> who basically is the heir of the the rich American money of uh, Dupont Chemical. Yeah. Uh, you know he's he's been living under the uh, kind of shadow of his mother uh, his entire life and mm-hmm. everything. She uh, races. Uh, you know, does does horse whatever equestrian things. I don't know what it's all called. Oh no, dressage and all that shit. Sure. Probably, right. Whatever rich people do with horses. Yeah. The also rich people fox hunting. Well, yeah, and with with fancy uh, helmety hats, some of that stuff. Uh, so and she's it looks got like, like a, she's on the set of Rules of the Game sometimes. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> they, they have fucking marsh shoes. And- yeah, a little bit of that actually going on. <laughs> Why not? And so she's got like a whole trophy room full of this stuff. And like this is a guy who you know is is he's an odd bird. There's no there's no ifs ands or buts about Definitely. it. He's been kind of a weird kid. Uh, we we find out that you know he hasn't had many friends in life, and the one that, friend that he had maybe not have been the most genuine friend uh, one one child could have. Um, but so for some weird reason, and we don't really, and this is the I think one of the more interesting parts is we really don't know why out of nowhere you know 
you know, Channing Tatum's character, who is just a, a former Olympian and living in kind of a trailer, mm-hmm. eating ramen, just barely surviving, uh, gets called up by this multi-billionaire, probably a millionaire at that point, but or whatever, you know, rich, very rich man, yes. and summoned to his home, doesn't know why, but flies him out, <laughs> gets him to his place, and just goes, hey, um... So I I like you I I like wrestling and stuff and uh, you know a lot of expository stuff about the American dream and how we mm-hmm. all need to you know get back to being a better country this that and the other and of course this is in the eighties and the Olympics with the Russians and stuff so yeah. there's a lot of kind of and he's thinking about patriotism the, stuff going on about how the Russian government right like took very good care of its Olympic athletes because that was the face they were presenting to the world while the Americans right like. Even today, Olympic athletes don't make that much money. Not, not uh, really, no. Uh, outside of any endorsement deals, right? Like, being an Olympic athlete, putting forth the dedication of your time and energy and discipline to that as a profession does not pay very well. Not at all. Um, so, you know, he's, he gets him out there on the pretense that he wants to fund this stuff, uh, which he does, right? Oh, it's, yeah. Uh, and, and he pays for an entire team to come out and train. Um, and they end up doing really well. Uh, you know, they, yeah, they go out, they do all the little trials and things like that. And, uh, you know, they, they head out to all the championships and do, do this stuff. Mark Schultz wins the world championship. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's interesting stuff. And so the, the, uh, the relationship between these two kind of goes, goes to a different point mm-hmm. and, uh, goes south. It seems well. Well, see, at first it's kind of like, oh, we have a, almost a father-son relationship sort of thing. Something happens, and so you know, something weird happens. And you know what the weird, what the great part is, is that, like you said, there's a there's a there's a level of ambiguity into this. I think this. this one works. This part, this ambiguity works though for, right. for making the film do something. And and really, you start to see this change where uh, the whole time, right? Like uh, uh, Mark Ruffalo's character, um, Dave. Right, mm-hmm. uh, has not been interested in coming out there. Yeah. Um, but uh, after after uh, Mark kind of starts to slide a little bit, gets a little lax in his training. Uh, John Dupont says, "No, I'm going to bring your brother out because he knows what's up. I don't care what it's going to take, how much money I got to pay yeah. him, and you know." And he was he was told, "Dave can't be bought." Right. This takes a ri- this makes a rift between Mark and John Dupont. Right. And uh, but I I love the kind of you know just before that and everything the weird relationship they got out and then like and you and you're watching and you're just like is there kind of maybe a gay thing going on here you don't quite know it's like maybe but maybe not is it just sort well, of a weird kind of thing I think I think definitely maybe on John's part right yeah. Like, like it's never anything that I think came to fruition, but no, it's definitely but like part of his interest. There, there seems like there's something deep down inside there that was just that may that may have laid dormant, mm-hmm. because it, it it it's a lot of his stuff comes really out of nowhere, and it's then the spooky crazy gay man, <laughs> and you know like all of a sudden like once they won the trophy and everything, just like the weird kind of out there. All of a sudden he just decides to start wrestling with folks, and then mm-hmm. he decides that uh, you know he's going to become a uh, you know. A, in the over 50 division of wrestling and things like that. And uh, it's just a really, he, he fancies himself so many things that he's not. And he's trying to meld and make his own story exactly what he wants it to be. 
Um, yes. So much so that he hires a uh, documentary crew to follow him around and basically put together a, this this documentary talking about how, what he's doing and how he's doing so great. Yeah, and, and how you he's know, a great wrestling coach. Yeah, he's a coach for this. And then, but the, we have a we have a fantastic scene where he comes in, and this is so. I mean, it was gut wrenchingly great. Uh, he brings his mother in because his mother hates wrestling and thinks it's a very yes. low sport and doesn't want to have anything to do with him. And this guy wants more than anything to impress his mother and have his mother's um, approval for things. So he like they literally wheelchair her into the room. He parts the sea of the guys just so specifically right. she can see him giving this hoorah speech and then goes into a little bit of a demonstration. And you really realize this guy knows jack shit about wrestling. And it's yes. sh- and it's one of the most awkward, weird things. And she's just like, roll me the fuck on out of here. Yeah, that's one of the more powerful uh, scenes in the film, too, and really gives you a big insight that that is at that point in the film is much needed into who John DuPont is, what his motivation might be uh, for doing some of this, um, and really starts to... I think that scene is probably the transition point into the last half third ish of the film, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where he is like, I don't, he's, he's hungry for the affection and the attention that, that the sport has given him. But he starts to realize, I think that people know that this is a ruse for him. Right. Um, and, and that, uh, Things go south really quickly uh, from there. Yeah, it, it's it's hard for things to. I mean, cause like, and that's again, that's another bit of the ambiguity that we put further in mm-hmm. this is that you know to where where the where the the strong turn is, we'll say without really spoiling anything for this character happens. We don't particularly have a reason why. We don't know per se. We're no, there left are several to, things that, that happen kind of be, all around the same time. And so you can you can infer a lot from it. And I think that's a great thing is that it, it this, this could easily spark discussion as to when this is. And again, it's also, I think, one of those things that we, we may never really know. And that's probably the good thing of not to try to put any particular mm-hmm. motivation behind this. And it's another incidence of with a lesser filmmaker that we would have been told in maybe for whatever fashion – Yes. What was this? Maybe he had had like a line of dialogue out or there would have been something in the coda that was just like it was because of this, you know, mm-hmm. sort of deal. But and and it is it's one of those things in life where when people do have that, you know, snap moment where something happens within their character, a lot of times you don't even know what it is and you may never know what it is. Right. Ex- exactly. And yes. and. And the way that that was portrayed was was fantastic, and you do kind of go, well, what led to that? Mm-hmm. And then you kind of look at the other stuff around and go, it could be a lot of this stuff. It could be the combination of all of it. It could be one particular thing, uh, but really, really powerful stuff. And um, I, I I thoroughly enjoyed this movie a lot. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. I actually think that it's the stronger of the two that we're reviewing this week overall. Uh, I don't. I, I do agree, like, the story itself maybe is not as strong as Wild. It doesn't affect me in the same way. Mm-hmm. But just as an overall uh, construction, I think that the film plays a little better to its strengths than Wild maybe does. Um, I, I do think it, like this is straight up a performance movie, right? It's great right. because the performances are great, uh, much in the same vein uh, as something like Monster, which does not have a bad story or, or like 
is poorly made, but like but is, the performances is within that by Charlie's Theron, right? Yeah. Uh, and so this well, is kind of... Well, don't, don't, uh, don't, uh, well, dis, dis, No, uh, I'm not, but, but... Some of the other actors in there were great, too. No, but they're all, they're all great, right? For but, sure. But just as the example, right? There's, right. like, this big, meaty performance that weights the thing down, which Steve Carell does here, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's populated by these other amazing performances. It's a performance movie. Yeah. Um, no, Foxcatcher's great. And I also want to just give a slight shout-out to... Uh, to Annapurna Pictures, yeah, uh, which put this out. I don't think I've seen anything that they've made uh, that is bad. So, so tell people about kind of who's behind so, that and everything. So, Annapurna is um, uh, Megan Ellison's production company. Uh, Megan Ellison, of course, is her is also an heir to to a billionaire. Speaking fortune. of which, um, <laughs> but she's actually using her money. To to put out films that no one else is putting out. Yeah, I mean, the first big one was uh, after I think it was Universal um, backed out of uh, backed out of the Master. That mm-hmm. was the first one she really threw her weight and money behind. But you know, in the past few years, uh, just the productions that she's been behind uh, last year alone um, saw her saw Annapurna release her and American Hustle the yeah. year before it was Zero Dark Thirty, Spring Breakers, and The Master. She was also uh, Lawless and Killing Them Softly earlier that same year. Um, I haven't seen Killing Them Softly, but like all of these are great, mm-hmm. great movies. Yeah, and that, you know, that early people on, wouldn't take a chance early on. Early on, uh, before Annapurna becomes its own thing, there are some iffy projects, but... Uh, they're still not bad movies. Yeah. Uh, things like Passion Play, um, Catch 44, uh, where they're just kind of production partners. But the things that they really back are just terrific, right? And yeah. it's great It's great that somebody's there to um, put forth the money for these, like, mid-tier movies that studios just absolutely are backing out of. They're, they got rid of all of their indie divisions uh, in the mid-2000s, right? So, like, Focus was folded completely into Universal. Yeah. Uh, Fox Searchlight is, I think, the only major studio indie division that's still operational yeah. in any which capacity. Was, which Wild was out right. under. Um, and so this really did take up some of the slack where, uh, you know, whereas previously companies like Miramax or mm-hmm. Lionsgate, before it became its own big studio, yeah. right? Um where they would have produced these things, uh, Megan Ellison and Anna Perna have really stepped in and said, we're going to take over this market and make sure some of this is coming out. And yeah. uh, they've been very successful. Uh, they've racked up award after award after award for their, their productions. Well, let's talk about this since we pretty much, uh, uh, so it's two very strong uh, recommendations for both Foxcatcher and Wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's, let's wrap this up and kind of stay on this train of thought and everything. So we're not going to get into like uh, the, the specific details and like the, the kind of like hardcore gushy, you know, he said, she said sort of shit or whatever. Sure. But let, let's, let's take a couple minutes and just talk about, about Sony and the repercussions and where this kind of uh, all the hacking and uh, other types of things may have led. Because I've heard some very interesting things from people that uh, I think are complete horse shit and I think are going to go the opposite direction of what people are thinking. Okay. So the well, idea, lead me on. The idea of what I've kind this. of heard is that with, with this hacking and stuff like this and making – in you know, obviously, so so for those of you who've been living under a rock, the interview uh, was pulled from theaters. It's kind of going back to some uh, some independence at this point. Yes. By the time that you hear this, um, so 
but it was pulled for a bit because of you know, the you know the controversial story of or the little satire of you know these guys going back to kill Kim Jong Un, mm-hmm. and um, so I, I heard a pundit. I, I freaking wish I could remember this cat's name, but he's just like I really see this as the possibility of the end uh, or the starting of the end of uh, kind of out there filmmaking some kind of maverick type stuff and so and especially because of the cave to all of the you know demands that the the quote-unquote hackers and I, that's a whole nother podcast by itself for the conspiracy theories that i got going on with this that's a night moves podcast that's a, <laughs> which is a great conspiracy theory podcast i got i got some conspiracy theories all about this thing i think it's all <laughs> i think it's all those lovely cats on 4chan i love you 4chan and anonymous you guys are all great please don't do nothing to me i love you <laughs> i'm behind you 100 percent. but um but how this could really start to stifle studios into only taking in and doing the most four quadrant e not taking any sorts of chances and really because we have a lot of people out there i th- oh, i know who the fuck it was it was Drew McQueen in a thing that was talking about this on the slash film cast yeah. and who who i don't always see eye to eye on with a lot of things most people don't like, uh, even people who've read like like i i agree with him like Honestly, about 50% of the time. Yeah. Right? Which I think is standard uh, both ways on his <laughs> spectrum. Right? But, you know, the, the, uh, some of the thoughts that he had about this. and uh, But really, I think, and in, in, in this would lead to the homogenization, uh, possible homogenization of of movies and stuff like that. Well, I mean, what are your kind of thoughts? Do you think that there's a chance that something that, like that could happen? No. No? No, I don't. I, I think, uh, like, Sony made a major misstep. Uh, in canceling this. Um, I think they've realized that because of the huge amount of uh, just backlash in general they've gotten. Uh, I'm not cynical enough to think that they did this as some sort of marketing ploy um, because they lost money. They've lost money regardless of of whether they put it out or not. uh, The business is as such that... If you pull a movie, even in a small uh, number mm-hmm. of major releases, right, major markets, that close to the release date, you've already spent so much money marketing that film, um, trying to get DCPs mailed out to everybody, etc., that you are losing money. It's not a marketing strategy to to remove something from a theater right. that close to its release date. Um, so I think... I think Sony realized that they screwed up very quickly. I think even before, <laughs> like, right, I feel like they realized they screwed up as, like, before President Obama said anything, before the theater owners, like, had their back and forth with them, before any of that happened. I feel like Sony probably realized they overreacted to nonsense. Yeah. Um, and had to find a way to, like, retrace their steps a little bit um and and they found it and so the interview is going to be coming out but i don't know that it's going to change the face of anything well um, i mean it kind of already has in, in a sense a though bit. i mean for for example something i just recently learned is that uh, speaking of steve carell his work his with the gordon right? was is now that's kind of shelved that's all out of the question at this point yeah i think so i think that project will still happen in some form right i i'm just saying like it might affect how at this moment certain things are happening but i think overall it's not going to have any long-term effects right uh the united states hollywood in general is they've always pro- been, like 
prided themselves on being the people who export the thing as, yeah. oppo- as opposed to the people who react uh, in sp- specific ways to foreign markets. Get your movies with words out my face. And, right. <laughs> uh, and, you know, even though uh, now that we're in the age of conglomerates where people are making four-quadrant releases all the time, right, and there's huge, huge, huge collaboration with Chinese influences so that mm-hmm. the so that bigger films particularly play uh you know make make hundreds of millions of dollars in China specifically. Yeah, I mean and I'm not um, I'm not shitting on it, but I mean even movies like Looper who all of a sudden yes. get some money from some Chinese folks yeah, and, so now and there's put some Chinese that stuff. literally into yep. the movie itself. And I, I'm not shitting on it because it, it it works within the story itself. So yep. as long as it can work and it doesn't stick out like a horrible sore thumb saying well, visit it, China, visit China. Well, and it doesn't always, right? So like the the biggest uh probably most egregious example of that thing is uh is the third mummy film curse of the dragon emperor or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> curse of the dragon tattoo <laughs> yeah curse of the dragon tattoo um <laughs> where uh they actually tied that film's release in with that summer's beijing olympics right and so yeah. so there was a whole lot of back and forth and it did play but i don't think that this is going to negatively impact the industry as a whole i think right now there's a, probably a little bit of nervousness around some of the projects that we're circling but in all honesty like Aside from the Steve Carell Pyongyang movie, right? That's the only uh, one I know of. Like, top, of my head. right? But but aside from that, how many other fucking movies could there possibly be about North Korea? I don't know. Right? Exactly. <laughs> you know, and that I don't know enough about really it. Is, and that really <laughs> is probably like the one, right? There's not there's not anything going on uh, that that really would have faced the ramifications yeah. of this other other than that one film so they changed I, that I red know. dawn movie that's all because of power no, <laughs> i don't know i didn't well, see it um <laughs> my brother did he's just like yeah it's not very good but i didn't like the original Koreans, red dawn right? either um i think so i think they ended up making him korean yeah, they were because, Chinese. Because, yeah, they were going to be Chinese, right? <laughs> but Chinese money got involved, and they're like, "Oh no, 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 yeah, no, no, you don't. No, you, you got to make them make make them some other Asians. Just don't make them us. We're fine yes. with that." Um, but also, uh, in, in, we're, we're just wrapping it up here. Sure. Um, ideas of VOD, and obviously, so the so with a couple of handful of theaters that are going to be putting the interview out too. I don't know if it's been official yet, but word on the street has been for a little bit that they'll be doing VOD on uh, uh, Christmas Day as well. I don't know if that's going to be Christmas Day. I know that the last thing they were talking about, because it's a little less tied to direct services, right? There, the one of the reasons they're hesitant about VOD. Um, at this point is because of the hacking part of it, right? So, right. That, so that people who download or stream may be susceptible to themselves, right? Yeah. And so, so they're trying to, like, figure that out before they do anything. And I don't know that they found it out this early. From what, uh, I, from what I've heard is Sony themselves have, have claimed, this is what they claim, yes. I don't know the, the validity of said claim, but they claim that no major provider wants to partner with them. That's probably true. And so so in that vein, right, one thing that they've actually talked about, um, although it's also not official, right, that, that this is – I mean, it's something they're looking at definitely, I guarantee it. They've talked about YouTube. Well, they have Crackle. They have their own thing that they own yeah, that is on a, everything. But that is another thing. 
thing that I think they're looking at where it's just that has to go through something. But if it's on YouTube, right? YouTube is its own service. They just upload it. They set the price point. People pay for it. Whatever. Uh, I don't know. But I don't know. I, I don't think even that people will watch it that way, though. I, I think, like, at this point, people who are who were already going to see it in some form are probably going to make a point of just going to the fucking theater, which is a little a little sad that this movie right this this uh fucking comedy with fart jokes silly little humor uh, right like like toilet humor over like probably overly long like most of these movies are yeah. like by about 15 20 minutes right uh and that this fart joke movie with uh with james franco and seth rogan has become like this political firebrand for no fucking reason it's uh, so sad because honestly for for last weeks, what well, before the whole cabal, yeah. this was the movie I was going to go see on Christmas Day. It's yeah, the, it one the one I was, one was looking most forward to. <laughs> Same. The other stuff was like, eh, okay, I mean, I watch them, yeah, but like, this I, is the one I wanted. Exactly. To see. <laughs> yeah, and I and you know there, I think what's really gotten to me a little bit about some of the the weird conspiracy, cynical nature of of people rambling about this shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aside from the like, oh, Sony's just using it for a marketing ploy thing, was the, well, they probably thought it was terrible, uh, it wasn't going to make any money. Like, uh, there are a couple things, right? One, this movie was moved from September to Christmas Day. That is not a move you make if you don't have faith in the movie. You keep it in September because that's a crappy month. Yeah, exactly. Or you move it like... like, Whoever's releasing the Jupiter Ascending movie, right? You move it to like mid February or something. Yeah, mid February, early March. Yeah. Um, so, so that's not a move you make. One, two. Uh, there's no reason for them to have. On top of that, they don't care that the movie's bad. <laughs> Studios do not care that they're releasing a bad movie. They only care about they how much money. That it's time and time again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, Sony proves it with their own emails about how much they hate Adam Sandler. Um, and yet but, they put them and out. yet they still keep ma- because so. they make money right that's the only thing they care about um but but on top of that uh it's not like they have any reason to believe that a Seth Rogen comedy is not going to make money for them because he has a pretty solid track record especially uh how big of a hit uh this is the end was and neighbors was yeah. right. He he's got this but proven to him, track and then record. you put like and him and Franco are a great team together. Yeah, and, and people like the, Express. It's like and, these guys have had they have had they yeah. had a history of films together. And so I think and they part work. of it was was like people want people like to bag on James Franco. I'm not one of them. Uh, I don't care for everything he does, but I also don't hate him. I don't care. Right? Like uh, I like him in certain things. The bottom line is before any of this happened, it was people who were going to see a Seth Rogen, James Franco comedy, were going to go and see this movie. And I still think that's probably the case. So, I mean, that's it. I think James Franco, (laughs) let let me get your idea on this, and we'll close it out. Okay. I think James Franco is pulling one of the biggest art pieces that's ever been pulled in in, in the history of art, and it is his career. I hope that what he's actually doing is using his career to fully fund like a, a 365 day round the clock observation of Shia LaBeouf, who I think also is pulling like just another. Yeah, right? I think him and Von Trier more, are in on something together. I don't know if it's Von Trier, but I definitely know like LaBeouf is more overt than Franco is about yeah. what he's doing. 
but yeah, no, definitely Franco. I feel I feel like Franco puts on the pretension. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, and, and he buys into who he is, and he does the things that he does almost to do it. And it's kind of, it's like, the, it's like he's almost metaing yeah. himself. And well, I, and kinda, I, and I it's feel so like, weird, but I love it. But I feel like the like the jokey in on his his own jokiness is almost James part Franco, of on top of that. But 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 his that James Franco that was in This Is the End is probably the closest to James Franco, yeah. right? Like the the way that that character James Franco was presented, the I am pretentious, but I also am completely in on the joke of why I'm pretentious yeah. and I'm actually just making fun of me being pretentious. I feel that's the closest portrayal we've ever gotten to a, to like a real James Franco. I think he I think this is I think he's one of the most meta weird kind of actors out there and like I said, I agree. I don't dig everything he does, but he does enough interesting oh, stuff to make me interested. While we're talking about him, uh you should totally check out his um Cormac McCarthy adaptation that he directed, Child of God. Uh, people will not like this movie at all unless they like Child uh, Child of God or Cormac McCarthy in general, um, or just being depressed then because uh, <laughs> those yeah, movies. Yeah, exactly. Pretty, but but it is like actually really good. There's something about it that I like. Like you can't not watch it. Hmm. It's weird. Um, and and I also have to say that I didn't hate his Faulkner movie either. As I lay dying, I didn't. I didn't hate that either. I got to see him, but he does so many goddamn things. It's tough yes. to fucking follow everything he does because yeah. he's just all over the place. Well, and that's part of why people bag on him, right? They, oh, he's fucking doing paintings. He's doing this shit. He's doing photographs. Like, who cares? You wish you you wish you had as much energy as that cat yeah. does, and he's probably rolling well, in enough it's, money. And it's exactly what all you. the people on the fucking internet are doing anyway. Like, oh, you're on Tumblr putting this shit on. You're on Twitter doing this shit. You're on Instagram doing this shit. He's just doing it not in a fucking computer. Yeah, that's all. Anyways. <laughs> like, I don't know. Anyway. Well, that's our thoughts on all this stuff, everybody. So, uh, yeah, a day late short here, but, uh, you know, we, we got you we got you another full podcast. So a bonus podcast between, uh, you know, the, the, the Hobbit and this one. Um, Matt, where can we find more of your work on the Internet, sir? Uh, follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Boyd underscore Smith. That was dramatic as shit. <laughs> I'm James Franco in it. <laughs> and uh, also, I'm uh, finally back to tumbling at... Uh, conspiracymediatheory.tumblr.com Very good. As always, you can follow the show at The Film Find and uh, find all the links to uh, do everything that we do on uh, thefilmfind.com, Facebook, uh, Twitter, all that good stuff. Everything's right up there. Throw us a review on iTunes. It's been a while since we had one of those, so that would be much, much appreciated. Um, so next week, I don't know what the hell we're doing. I don't know. It'll, it'll be there. It'll, It'll be there. Be there. Next, It'll be there. That's all you got to know. We'll be there. Thank you guys so much. By the way, I don't. I, I feel like we don't say this enough, but thank everybody out there that is listening. Yeah, uh, it's not uh, a great amount of you at the moment, but it's more than we've had because we haven't been doing the fucking show. <laughs> so <laughs> thank true. you for uh, like sticking through with us and and giving us the downloads and shoot us a review. Help us out a little bit. Let us know uh, what you do like, what you don't like. Uh, you know, we, we respond to it. Yeah, I mean... If, what do you want more of? What do you want less of? Maybe you want me to yell at Adam a Want a little more. bit less of Adam. <laughs> That's how most of my podcasts go. <laughs> want a little less of that guy. Here's what, you, here's what you don't know. I pay all the fucking podcast bills. There's so a, guess what? There's a reason he's talking most. There's a reason that I'm that I'm the center of all these things. I'm paying for them. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a boatload of money, but, you know, until I, until I can't pay that, that bill... I, I'm I'm in charge, fuckers. No, 
Uh, but yeah, so uh, also speaking of other podcasts, go listen to my other podcast, Hero Movie Podcast. And if you came from Hero Movie Podcast to listen to this one, thank you for uh, making that transition. Yeah. But uh, thank that you is, for putting up with our fucks. That yeah, which is a lot. Of, this is a lot dirtier than that show. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, go li- if you're not listening to Hero Movie Podcast, where uh, me and uh, Bruce Leslie, Sean Keenan review a uh, superhero movie every single week, and uh, we relate it to back to Sylvester Stallone, every bloody one of them, and it's almost impossible sometimes. But damn it, we do it. Uh, well, Sean does it. He does all the real work. I don't do any leg work in that. I was like, Bruce, you're the history guy. Sean, you're the Stallone guy. Me, I, I pay the bills and and, and kind of uh, I'm orchestrating everything from the pit. Um, so, but that's that's it, everybody. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll be talking about probably some of the movies that we saw over Christmas here, uh, some of the big uh, Oscar stuff that's coming out. So there's a whole load of stuff. So stay tuned for that. Uh, so that's it, everybody. For Matt Smith, I'm Adam Portress. Take it easy, everybody. Twenty-five years, I'm a lofty steel, trying to get up that great big hill of hope for a destination. I realized quickly when I knew I should That the world was made up of this brotherhood of man For whatever that means Into a crisis
I feel still Time to get up that Great big heel of hope For a destination That went pretty well. Good. All things considered. On a boom mic stand... <laughs> There's a shotgun mic. This is how this is set up. This is the most ghetto shit because I don't have people over here podcasting too much. I well ever. <laughs> it's usually it's usually all over Skype. I have other microphones, but they're all in bags that I had since packing, so I haven't really unpacked everything proper. So the only thing I had in my my video camera bag, which I do all my video stuff with, was a shotgun mic that normally goes on top of the camera to catch faraway <laughs> audio. So it's maybe not the best thing. Hopefully we don't have too many. Uh, it doesn't sound weird in a room. But uh, uh, if you guys, if anyone out there uh, is still listening at this point, send Matt like 40 bucks. We need to get him a microphone. <laughs> no, it, it's coming. <laughs> you know, most of the time I'm just uh, I'm just recording like over fucking Skype. And I don't know. I'll get a mic. It's balls Skype is. But, you know, <laughs> the, the more you can do just... to help it out is better. Is better. I think when you listen to this, when you listen back to this, I know. it's going to be like, God damn, maybe, yeah, all right. I know <laughs> about the value of the microphone. <laughs> I know. Oh, man. I just, we, there was, <laughs> so, <laughs> so Matt and I went to see, we saw Foxcatcher, <laughs> and there was this cat, I swear to God, he comes in, <laughs> you described it best, he's in this jacket, and I looked over <laughs> at you, and I'm like, What's what's with yeah. this jacket? <laughs> this guy, look, what'd you call it? Oh, I, I said he better be from Eastern Europe. He did. It looked like <laughs> it looked like you would see an Eastern European wearing this kind of like uh, just. Yeah. How do you describe that? I don't know, it was a weird like marshmallow vest jacket. I don't know. Like, did but, you ever but like like just? It looked like ribbed all the way down, but like puffy. Yeah. Like down in between. Like, it, it wasn't. Was it wasn't gigantic. It was a coat from the eighties. It had to be. And but it was like it wasn't like as big, even... obviously. But like you remember the Seinfeld episode with the jacket that George mm -hmm. gets, and he's called, it's like it's Gore-Tex. Yes, it's not that big, but it it almost there's a bit of that in there with a little uh, Back to the Future vest. Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, you know. Yes, I'm yeah. trying to. Th I'm trying to think. All it reminded me also of like some weird like uh, like action movie futuristic. Get up that yeah, I've what you would think? What, yeah, what you think like in like you, 1978? They would think somebody or, in the future would wear, or even you know, it looked like if uh, if he was wearing the jacket that Stallone wears in Demolition Man. Speaking of, uh, <laughs> but but just down the whole thing, there were like little little two inch puffs that came down, like so, so that he was insulated. What if the Soviet bloc <laughs> made members only jackets? Yeah. Yeah, very, very close exactly. to that. Yeah. And these motherfuckers wouldn't stop talking to oh, yeah, the they were talking the whole film. goddamn movie. It's just like, look, man, I know there's silence in this movie. <laughs> that doesn't mean maybe you can talk. The, the acoustics in theaters are fantastic. You can hear everything that's going on. Do ourselves a favor and shut the fuck up. There was somebody else who was um, in Exodus, Gods, and Kings. Hmm? <laughs> that should be the cold open, by the way. <laughs> the, the cold open should be the after show. <laughs> That'd be the first. <laughs> like, tell him to shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> but this, there was, I was, when I was watching Exodus, there was this lady who was back there, and she was just, I mean, talking. 
to her guy. This was so weird. This was this was one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. So she's talking to them, and I'm just like, I got to a point, and I was just like, hey man, um, you're gonna have to stop talking. Like I'll get to a point where it's just like it's not. There's no more looking. There's no more thing. It's just like, look, man, you you got to stop talking. I don't know what she said. You can never hear what they say back because they're never brave enough to just. Yeah, they're never brave enough to get in your face about it. They're just like, what is that? Right. I'm just like, you have to be quiet. I'm trying to watch the movie, and so she kept kind of talking to something, and you know, I gave her. I, you know, there's at least one more of the thing there, and um, so eventually. By the time all the good stuff starts to happen, the the sea starts to go up. She's gone for like forty minutes. She's just gone. I, Comes I, back for the I'm end like, with the tablets like, and shit. I'm like, I'm not really hearing much noise coming out of here, and I kind of, I kind of peer back. Homeboy's sitting by himself. I'm like, even even this guy was like, "Bitch, get out of here!" <laughs> and what? she left for like forty minutes, came back for the end, and I was just like, "This was, what were you doing?" The my my buddy Alex Lukens uh, does this thing where if people are talking the whole time in the movie theater, he gives them like one or two like warnings, like a shh or whatever. Or if they're taking their phone out, he'll be like, "Hey, put that up" or whatever. Like the third or fourth time that it happens, uh, he just gets up and walks right over to them and says, "If you don't put that away, or if you don't stop that talking, you and me are going to go outside and I'm going to fight you." I'm gonna fight you. I love that. <laughs> he just tells them that straight up. Like we're gonna we're gonna have trouble. I'm gonna fight you. I had I had one where I was sitting in the in the uh, on the back row, and there were some kids that were popping up their cell phones. This is I don't say fairly early in cell phones, but it not it wasn't ubiquitous that every motherfucker had a cell phone. Right. Um. But this cat pulls out a cell phone and everything and starts looking at it, and I'm just hey man, put that away. Puts it away. A couple minutes later, pause that guy. Hey man, seriously, put that away. Puts it away. A couple minutes go by. Bring it out one more time. I go, hey, put that away or I'm taking it from you and throwing it at the screen. You never saw that cell phone again. And I would have done it had he done that one more time. Um, there was a lady a couple of weeks back. <laughs> See, I'm telling you, the worst luck just follows me. This, a, What was the fucking movie? I forget what the movie was. I go see so many. And they're all bad. Um but this lady's fucking phone rings. She must have been 65, yeah. maybe even a little bit older, somewhere in that neighborhood. Someone that had definitely fucking damn well should have known better. Right. Her shit goes off. And first of all, it rings. She takes her sweet motherfucking time to get that thing, picks it up, and it's just and starts talking. I got up. I walked over, and I just smacked her leg, and I'm like... Put this up. Put it up. Put it up. Put it up right now. Put away your phone. And she looked at me like I was the shithead. And I'm like, no, put it away. And then she started giving me this stink eye. And I look back at her. And I'm just like, you want to get some of this, bitch? What do you want? Your old menopausal bag? I will punch you in the face. You think this is a goddamn game? I'm in here to watch a movie, not here to listen to you just go, yeah, I'm in the movies right now. A guy's looking at me weird, telling me to get off my phone. Yeah, he is. And he's going to kill you. With kindness. <laughs> With kindness. you got to put uh, the kindness on the end, well, otherwise people will start to think that you're really going to go out and kill people. Yeah. And when I do snap and kill people, they're like, it was there the whole time. We knew it. It was not. He was not just a patriot. He was really <laughs> going to murder folks. <laughs> um, uh, I, I had I had a, a weird experience uh, watching the first paranormal activity in, in movie theaters mm -hmm. uh, where this uh, like teenager in front of me... Um, you know, took a, she's college age, right? But eighteen, nineteen could not have been yeah. an adult, an actual adult, <laughs> a proper <laughs> um, adult. Anyways, she she pulls out her phone, has it out, 
you know, it's like 30 minutes in the movie. She's had it out most of the film. And I'm just like, uh, excuse me, can you put that away? It's really distracting. Oh, we'll just watch the movie then. And I go, no, 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 no. I paid to be here just like you paid to be here. Put that phone away. It's not supposed to be out. I'm trying to watch the movie. This phone ain't none of your business. I was like, I will sit here and make it my business by reading everything that you're typing and only focus on you for the rest of this movie's runtime with my head right over your shoulder if you don't put this away. She's like, you're creepy. And I was like, put your goddamn phone you're away. You're an asshole. <laughs> like, like, yeah, you're right. But I will sit here this whole time. Like, I don't even care about this fucking movie anymore. All I yeah. care about now is fucking with you. You have <laughs> you have made me only care about that thing, uh, which could have been resolved by you just going, oh, I'm sorry I'm being a fucking asshole. Yeah, that's why when I yelled at those two old ladies, they didn't even realize that what they were doing. They came to me after the movie and apologized for talking because I came over and I, I, I stood up. I walked over to their seat and I go, you are not at home. Be quiet. Went back to my seat. <laughs> I did it that politely. I didn't say nothing. I didn't curse well, or nothing. At least you didn't do the, you and me are going to fight nothing. I, did, I didn't curse. I just got up <laughs> in her face and I go, you, it said, be quiet. You are not at home. I went back in my seat and as the credits are going out, the the light goes up and everything. Ooh. They walk by and they stop right in front of me because I'm right in front of the little bar thing. They stop right in front of me and it just goes, I just, we just wanted to say we are so sorry. We didn't realize that we were very loud and I apologize for it. I'm just like, very well. You've learned your lesson. They won't be they won't be loud ass talking bitches in movie theaters no more. That's what these people need. A good firm hand. And that was a film fine five with, yeah. <laughs> with, with Adam and Matt. There we are. <laughs> Why not? 